You're listening to the Sports Marketing Scotland podcast with me, Chris Sampson. On this episode, I'm joined by Laura Brannan, Senior Producer at Motherwell. The running joke is it's difficult to record this podcast without mentioning Motherwell and everything they do, so it felt like a great time to get Laura on to talk us through what goes into putting together their excellent video content. After having Grant Russell and Alan Burrows on the previous incarnation of this podcast when it was the Scottish FA's Football Marketing Podcast. Those episodes are still up and online for you to listen to, and you can go and do that after you've listened to today's with Laura. Enjoy! Laura, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for, for coming on. Thanks for having me. Hello. No problem. Yeah, really looking forward to this one. Um, I think we'll start, as we normally do, with getting a, a brief introduction to you. So could you talk us through who you are, what your current role is, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, so I'm. my name is Laura Brennan, and I am the senior producer at Motherwell Football Club, which basically means that I head up and I'm responsible for the video content the club does um, and all the kind of practical side of the the content creation. Perfect and we'll go plenty into that um, in a little bit later but I wanted to just rewind slightly as well and go through a bit of your career to date because we've caught up a couple of times um, in in passing uh, and with a few extra bits as well thrown in but yeah what where did you start off in your career and where's it taking you up until joining Motherwell? Yeah so I've been kind of working in football now for God, over a decade. God, it must be about 12 years now I've been working in football. Um, I started off, I graduated from a, a journalism course and I my first job was actually at Celtic and I was a multimedia reporter was my title, which basically meant I wrote for the Celtic View, the weekly magazine. I wrote for the matchday programmes and I did a wee bit of um, like work with Celtic TV as well. So I did that for four years, be one of their reporters. After that, I wanted to get into more of the kind of journalism side of things based on what I'd studied at uni. So I freelanced between Clyde doing news reporting for them and STV doing sport for them. Eventually, that led to a full-time job with STV Sport. Um, so I did that. I was based on the digital desk. So I was doing predominantly like the articles on the website, but also getting to go out and do some reporting as well off the back of that. And then because of my kind of time at STV, I got more into the kind of production side of things. I, I kind of enjoyed the more of an element of of doing features and, and kind of promoting Scottish football and, and kind of doing something a wee bit more unusual and different, which we didn't really have at the game at that time. Um, so because of that, the, the projects I did at STV at that time, I got into more of a production role. And that's when the job came up at Copper 90, which is a... It came. It started off as a, just a YouTube company. Obviously, it spanned out from then. But it's um, a YouTube company based down in London, and they focus a lot on. They they they, they kind of turn the, the cameras away from the pitch and focus more on the fans and the stories, away from what's actually happening within the ninety minutes on the grass and everything else that goes around football. So my my job there was to um, I was a producer for the supporter culture section of the, the business. And um, with that, I kind of got to go around all over the world, actually, um, and and told stories of, of fans and different fans of different clubs, be it domestic clubs or um, we also got to cover the World Cup at that time. So it was international fans as well. Um, so I did that for a while down in London, which was amazing. And during that time, I kind of kept my foot in with Scottish football because I always knew at some point, I didn't know when, but 
I'd like to come back to work in Scottish football again. So just thought good to kind of keep contacts and stuff and and being and with people there. So I did that with Motherwell. Um, I filmed games on the odd Saturday whenever I was back home for the weekend. I would go along and film the games for them. And off the back of that, a job came up there, which was just too good to turn down, really. Um, so I came back home a wee bit earlier than I was expecting to um, and started uh, full-time with Motherwell. Uh, that was just over three years ago now. And ever since then, I've been doing the, the video production for Motherwell. Perfect. And I think looking back now, at the to rewind a little bit further back, the STV, um, role that you had and and the people that were there at the time and the things like you said you were doing I think those the videos and the things that you were producing at that point as a team at STV I think still have everybody still has really fond memories of those and I think there's always that little bit of chat on Twitter sometimes as well about oh why can't STV go in for Scottish football and things like that and I think those feelings stem from a lot of the work that was done in the past with, with those things that you were all doing at the time yeah, it was it was something that it was um, more more so. It was I mean, we had a great sport team to be honest. When I was there, it was we were all friends outside of work as well. We all it was great fun, but it was more so. It was myself, Grant Russell, and Scott McClymont that were kind of driving it, and we we wanted to just do something a bit different and stand out. And it was actually it was myself and Grant more so that we we would talk about. Funnily enough, it was COP90 videos <laughs> where all of the kind of ideas originally stemmed from. We wanted to do something with that feel of kind of get under the the skin of like the fans and tell their stories. And um, that's where the kind of um, the, what we call the, the Premiership preview videos came from, which I think had the kind of biggest impact at that time because it was something that no one had ever seen before. We went round, um, myself, Grant and Scott as well, we went round the, the all 12 Premiership clubs. We interviewed three people per club, be it a fan, a player, a director, like anyone that had some sort of connection to the, the club and the town that they were from. Um, and that was just such an unusual project to, to put together. And we, we tried so hard to, to keep that up. Um, we had challenges um, behind the scenes that the, the the kind of the higher up people weren't as keen on it as us. I think that's a secret. We've we've always kind of been frustrated by that, and that's kind of why we wanted to kind of branch out and and go our, our separate ways to keep doing what we enjoyed to do um, and and keep that going. But the the grounding we got together when we were actually in that office together and for such passionate people that were all work in football to kind of come together and share those ideas and, and manage to put some of them into practice gave us all a great grounding, and it just shows what these places can do if they really put their minds to it yeah definitely and I think just you three in particular as well going on to what you've done since as well and, and being at clubs individually now rather than um, like a, 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 a body like the, like the STV I think it just shows um, how how well you've all done as well to get those ideas across at the clubs and I think yeah hopefully speaking to Scott soon as well and we'll we'll get a bit more into that and what he's done at Kelly but Again, it's funny for me sitting here and us being kind of on the opposite sides now because we did a Copa 90 video together. You, you came and interviewed me in Glasgow one day and um, I think I always remember it as basically I was on one side of the fence and Neil Doncaster was on the other side of the fence talking about the talking about the Iron Brew Cup at the time, um, which was I an interesting... then, eh? I mean, I still like to think it was me, um, but we'll, we'll see what happens with, with that. I think it's still kind of rumbling on. I'm sure it will read its, read its head at some point again um, in the future. Um, but yeah, let's let's 
talk about Motherwell and, and go into a little bit more detail, I think the first thing to say is is basically a congratulations because um, the the best digital forward slash social media team uh, that award win at the Football Business Awards, um, huge achievement in the category that you were in as well. How, how did it feel and for, for you personally and then for the team as well to, to get that win? I mean, to be honest, we were honoured just to be considered when you look at the big names that were involved. Um, it, when it, it transpired, we beat Leicester and Everton to win it and we denied Man United a place on the podium, which is just when you say that, it's absolute madness. I mean, Man United are one of the biggest clubs, if not the biggest club in the world. Um, so when we'd heard like third getting announced and second getting announced and it wasn't us, we kind of thought, well, obviously it's going to be Man United. So we were like, fine, okay, it's over. <laughs> we're, we're just here for a laugh. <laughs> um, and then when they actually said Motherwell, um, there, there are some very good photos of the four of us looking really shocked <laughs> and hugging each other. Um, it's like these awards, see when you're, as I've lived it down in London, and these awards are something that that companies down there go to all the time, and it's it's normal for them to be acknowledged in this way, and it's normal for their staff to be invited to these events. But for us, we were just we're just four people from well around around the kind of central belt in Scotland. We're just working for little Motherwell, doing like as well as we can to be invited down there. This was a big deal to us, and we were sure as hell going to make the most of it and have fun. So when we did when we were the ones celebrating loudly and um, being the, the, the rowdy Scottish corner. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think you'd expect anything less from a Scottish <laughs> team going down to one of these awards well, Yeah, I think that kind of warmed the hearts of people as well because obviously they'd seen us being the underdogs and then obviously our reaction as well kind of made put a smile on everyone's face. But I mean, see, to be honest, I mean, when it comes down to it, it's, it is a huge honour because like what actually had the biggest impact for me was how many players and past players and present players got in touch with us all um, individually to say well done. Um, And that made a big impact because it proved that not only were these players buying into what we've been telling them all along, but it showed that they they trust us and they actually value what we've been doing as well, which is essentially all for them at the end of the day. Um, One of the weirdest moments actually of the whole, all of it, because we ever get our phones were blown up afterwards from like, around the club and players and stuff but one of the weirdest moments for me was a couple of days after it um on the Saturday as normal after the game I'd went on the pitch at full time to film the, the players and walking around and one of the boys Mark O'Hara actually came up to me and said oh Laura congratulations and fist pumped me um and I'm thinking Wait a minute, I'm, I'm here filming you guys after winning a game it's all about you and he's coming up to me to do that on the pitch in front of the fans and it was just a bit of a kind of weird moment because it's like that doesn't happen mm-hmm. um and it just that kind of shows to me just how down to earth like everyone is at the club and, and the players included in that that they take the time to, to come to us and they saw it for what it was um and it's not just people high up in the industry acknowledging us it's actually people like our colleagues as well which was quite special yeah no definitely i think looking back and obviously from my perspective as well somebody that's trying to big up scottish sport and scottish marketing and, and marketing and scottish sports so much like it, it helps those things as well do you know what i mean it, it doesn't just raise i don't think anyway and I'll, don't take this the wrong way it doesn't just raise motherwell's profile it raises like the marketing of scottish sports profile 
uh, as a whole almost to, for for somebody to win that award from from the country um and i think we've got a, there's a bit of a running joke it, it started when michael and i were doing this, the scottish fa podcast and it's continued into this one too but it's difficult not to talk about the marketing of scottish football in particular and not mention motherwell on pretty much every single episode then um, last episode neil coleman from niffle was praising everything about the club as well and obviously that's someone further afield taking notice of that too does that does that heap a bit of pressure on you particular to 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 keep on hitting the spot every time uh, something needs to go out from the club <laughs> no it doesn't it doesn't heap on the pressure. i mean obviously it's nice it's nice to hear yeah. the, the compliments but it's not something that we're, we're driven for it's not driven by we don't go out there with the aim of right we need to blow people away and impress them and and get the compliments after it we we, we just our aim is to tell our story and and it's almost like it's to to stick to a script, so to speak, we we um we did a big brainstorming session a couple of years, a couple of seasons back, and we settled on a strategy, um where we developed pillars, which we have four pillars, um which represent what we do, what we our content is based on. So, for example, our pillars are match, like the match days, everything revolving around the games, the players, um the the people of the town as well around Motherwell that takes in all the kind of social element to that as well the social um, stories there and also nostalgia as well looking back on on days that have went previous so we, we everything we do fits into one of these four pillars um we've always worked to those parameters and don't really stray away from from that we, we tick those boxes and, and look if people are impressed and and like what we do in the process of doing that wonderful um but we do it to fit those pillars rather than to fit the people that are watching it. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. And I think if you, as you said, if, you, if you're thinking of those four pillars and does that then help you when it comes to starting through that process of where the production of video content comes from then? Like, I think if we're, if we're rewinding a little bit, you've got an idea for a video where does where does that go from there you, you've got one idea talk me through idea production right through to what you use to film it to then edit it what what's that process look like okay um well for example well like things like matches and stuff they are well-oiled machines by this point but when it comes to like player features they they chop and change they can be so different to each other i mean we, we do obviously like the shorter player interviews we do maybe midweek which sets a narrative um it's not so much about the player that is speaking individually it's more about what is the story of the week and they are representing the club and sharing that story so it could be a case of like for example we put one out the other night which was with bevis mcgabby and like there's so much we could talk to him about personally even just in the recent games, he, he played in, in, in right-back position. It's even more unusual for him. He even got shoved up front <laughs> towards the end of one of the games um, when we were looking for a goal. And there's great personal stories there. But for a shorter interview, which only lasts about maybe 45 seconds, we decide to focus more on what's the story of the club and the team itself. Um, so we look back on what's just happened. It's been a crazy period. We've played something like eight games in four weeks that's a lot for a footballer um so we've never really had a second to breathe recently and then we had a big cup win at the weekend as well and then we're looking forward to playing the same team again 
on Saturday. So that's that's natural things that you can talk about from a club perspective that we get the player to, to speak about. But then when it comes to actually um, looking at bigger features, we call it our Inside Motherwell features. So we do a monthly documentary where this this year's been a bit different to last year. Last year we did just the release of the the um, the episodes, which maybe had two to three features in it. Whereas this year, what we've done, and we've we've done the features first, and then put them together as one whole one, just to kind of round up the month. So every we we have two or three big features over the course of a month with players, and what we, we take player branding really seriously. To be honest, we 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 are we we're a stepping stone club. We've never we've never hit that. So a big selling point to players when they come to the club is us saying, look, we can either depending on where they are in their career, we can either help fix your career and get you back on track again and get you playing regularly and, and showcase you that way. Or we can take you in and really kind of push you on and hopefully you can get a big move out of it. You can get a big step up to a bigger club or a bigger league, maybe in a different country. And hopefully the club can also make some money out of it with a transfer fee. And um, we, 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 the players are sold this when they, they come to the club and we've got to kind of stick to that when they, they do join and we've got to stick to our promise and help them. So we we, we do talk to the players. So what, what kind of happens is over the course of a season, um, I try and talk to every player, try and do it as much at the start of the season as possible or when they, they sign. And I, I sit down with them individually and just chat them and, and find out a bit about them as people. So I, I can always joke with them and say, look, I can I can check your Wikipedia and I can see what your, your career's been like, but that's not as valuable to me as actually hearing you talk about it yourself. So I get all the players, they, they, they talk me through their career to date. I find out a bit about them, like, where are you staying? Who do you stay with? Like, have you got a family here? Have you got a girlfriend? Do you stay on your own? Um what do you like doing in your spare time? So where are your hobbies? Do you go out walks with your dog? Do you like what do you like watching on Netflix? Like anything like that that just finds out a wee bit more about their personalities and, and gives me the context of what they're like as people. So that helps me understand them as individuals. So it means that when it comes to deciding on features, then I'm a bit more comfortable with who can we put up in a an uncomfortable situation. If it's as simple as like, you know, we're on a bad run just now which player can handle doing press conferences a bit easier or who can we do a big feature on um, and we tend to when it comes to our features um, the strategy behind them is we like to break up our players into three different categories um, and we, we either think right are you are you going to go on to something bigger and better after this um, after being at Motherwell slash are you going to make us some money as well for my transfer fee so that's one category. Um, another one is, are they maybe cult heroes with the fans? And no matter what they do, the fans will just adore watching them and, and hearing from them. And another category is, um, do the fans not really know much about you at this stage? And is it just as simple as, let's get to know you a wee bit better and let's find out a wee bit more about you? Um, so when it comes to features, we think, right, okay, which category will we look to for this one? Um, which player has a story to tell? And what we what we try to do to um, what we always try and explain to players is it's so important that they brand themselves along with the club branding themselves because when you think about the journalists that come week in week out, you get some that are there all the time, but they see them only on a Saturday afternoon, and then you you get some journalists and it tends to be the ones maybe from the bigger organisations or the ones with the biggest voices don't see them as often. 
and they'll maybe only come when there's a big game when we're in like we're playing Celtic or Rangers and that tends to be the games that we, we lose more often than not so these journalists are not often seeing the players on a regular basis but they're the ones that are forming opinions of them and they're the ones that are putting that message out there to to tell people what they're like and it, it forms other people's opinions based on what others are saying so to get around that we don't want these journalists to have the voice so yeah we we, we obviously express like how important it is that they're in charge of their own story and by that I mean them as individuals and, and then us as a club result in that so that's what we try and do in terms of picking the, the features um, and, and sorting out kind of who gets featured when so to speak it's really to kind of cover their story and give them a platform. And do and you mentioned the kind of three categories that the players can slot into, if you like. Does that change as time goes on as well? Like moving around, obviously fans will get much more um, in the know with who the players are if they've only just joined versus um, maybe spending one or two seasons at the club as well. Um, I take it it's kind of all interchangeable in terms of where and one of the things that maybe you don't appreciate much more of from the outside looking in is players aren't just the same all the time like their personalities change they like to do different things rather than that thing that they like to do a year ago or a year and a half ago so like it's you've you've got constant new stories as well to to start telling and, and get fans on board with that too Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, by default, everyone kind of starts off almost on the, the bottom level of that one where I'm saying fans don't really know much about you. Can we just get them to, to learn more about you in that sense? And, and everyone kind of almost starts there and then we see where they branch off after that. For example, like, I mean, Kevin Van Veen's one just now that we've not done a lot with that I'd like to do more with him. Um, but he's one example of we could class him as, right, the fans don't know much about you, so let's just find out a wee bit more about what your personality is like. But at the same time, he's also a cult hero <laughs> and the yeah. fans adore him. And he's also one that could fit into that category of, well, he can do no wrong. Um, <laughs> the fans just want to hear from him. Um, it doesn't matter if he's sitting in his, his back garden or he's showing his, like, a tour around the club or he's doing something like crazy at some day out. The fans would just lap it up. So different players have different categories. And, and for example, like when you look at, like David Turnbull was one that, would always be like um, a cult hero, so to speak, where it's like, you know, the, the boys come through the, the academy and he's, he's one of our own, that sort of, the, the fans love him for that. But then when you realise just the, the potential he's got in terms of his playing ability, you realise he's even more than that. He's someone that can go on to bigger and better and the club can get money for him. So you, you kind of, you upgrade him to that section where you go, right, we're going to go, we're going to go big on him. We'll brand him big because we know he'll benefit as a result of that and the club will benefit too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think you, you've mentioned it a couple of times already as well, but one of the other facets from a video perspective is it going on the pitch at, at full time and, and getting that immediate player reaction, no matter what the result is. You did say earlier that the, the match day production is a bit of a well-oiled machine there. I think, again, looking back a few years, I came and unfortunately watched uh, Morton get battered um, in the Premier Sports Cup by, by Motherwell, but um, I think at that point as well, it, everything was still quite new, and I think you'd just gone through that process of identifying those pillars as well. But a few years have passed since then. 
is the match day kind of a well-oiled machine now where you everything every, everybody knows what they're doing uh, and it all fits perfectly together yeah definitely I, I dread to think looking back on those a couple of years back of how much we were probably just running about with our hair on fire <laughs> trying to make everything work but honestly now it's just it's so much easier when everyone just knows their jobs knows what they're meant to do and uh, when problems come up everyone knows how they're going to fix them because we've been there before we know the, the script so yeah and I'm actually we've kind of got two camera operators um so it's myself and, and Scott and Scott will film the match day actually like the match action itself and I'm kind of more responsible for doing the kind of more arty shots so that's the kind of close-ups of players that you get more so when they're not on the ball um rather, I mean I get match action as well but it's more I've got the kind of longer lens to get that which is kind of awkward when somebody asks you afterwards like about a challenge or something that happened and you, you've got to try and explain to them that I didn't actually see it because I don't actually see a lot of the match action because I'm focusing on who doesn't have the ball rather than who does. You were on the other end of the pitch for you, filming Liam Kelly just walking about his, his penalty area. Exactly, that is exactly what I'm doing. And you hear you hear all the shouts elsewhere, but then I'm after the game. I'm like, so what was that challenge? Was that was that offside? Was that like, yeah? And it, it makes you look a bit stupid at times. You're like, I don't know, I don't know what happened. I'm just doing my job, honest. Um, so we got the other two kind of set camera operators. We've got Ali as well, who is an additional camera. Um, if and when needed, so that could be we've we've done various things uh, where he might go and film the fans just to get different emotions in the stands. Or we've even done a, a, what we call a Kells cam, which is just to focus on Liam Kelly, um, maybe on a game where he's under more pressure than normal, in case he pulls off some good saves and we've got a good angle from it. Or it's maybe just on hand at full time to maybe be in the tunnel as the players are walking down into the dressing room just to get a different angle of what's happening. Um, we've also got we get four locked-on cameras as well during our game. So we've got two GoPros, behind one by one behind each goal we've got another one which we have a low behind which sits grass level and it's just a different angle of the goal that we're shooting into and then we've got one locked on the fans as well and that's just purely to get some nice happy reactions when we score goals really to get that kind of burst of emotion um so i mean you leave a camera alone for 90 minutes and you're essentially only after about five seconds worth of that footage um and then we've got Grant as well, who's doing the social posts um, with the help from Ali doing graphics as well during the game. We also, we've got Lewis Irons, who used to work for the club. Um, he comes back in on Saturdays to do commentary for the TV feed as well, which is great. Um, and in terms of the actual, what we, like the work we do, I mean, my kind of day starts when, like the day kind of starts when the players arrive, so we're filming all their arrivals and stuff, um, and they kind of set the scene. And then we're in the tunnel with them, walking out, and that that's that's quite cool. That's something that I don't think I'll ever I'll ever kind of take for granted. Um, because it's, it's one of my favourite parts actually of probably the whole week, where I walk out essentially as like the twelfth player. Um, I kind of follow the boys out right behind the last one to walk out of the tunnel, which is really cool. Um, just to kind of give the the point of that is just to kind of give a perspective of the fans are never going to be there, so it gives them a, an idea of what it would feel like to be one of the players and walking out with them. Um. And then we've got, obviously, during the game itself, and then at full time, yeah, on the pitch, just filming reaction. Um, and it really is just a case of getting in amongst it. Um, getting, we, we do it no matter what the score is. So you'll get the happy reactions, you'll get the, the anger and the frustrations and stuff. You, it's it's all valuable in terms of footage that you get. Um, might not be nice in the moment <laughs> to get the, the, after the bad results, but it's all something that, that adds up. And again, it shows 
it might show the fact that how the players are feeling. It shows that frustration in their face rather than just putting out a full time tweet saying yeah, we lost and then not actually showing what it means to the players at the same time. And then um also get an interview as well at that stage before they've left the pitch. Just getting some instant reaction, which is something we've done now for quite probably since uh, I started there really. It was quite a few seasons that we've done it where we just grab a player and just ask them. It's a really simple what's your reaction to that to the result? And it really is just kind of getting the the raw emotion without them being able to go into the dressing room, sit and relax and the manager talking to them and then processing everything in their mind. You want that immediacy from them uh, with the, the, the sweat still dripping off them. Um, so that's that's always something that we've, we've done and we always kind of see the value in that. And to be honest, the, the players have been great in buying into that. You can tell that obviously after bad results, they don't want to do it, <laughs> but they understand what we're doing. And again, that goes into into knowing the players and their personalities, knowing who's good at that moment to speak yeah. to. And who isn't? We don't always go for the goal scorer or the match winner. Um, it can be someone who's just maybe got a strong head and, and knows how to deal with it when the fans are maybe booing them off the pitch and, and they'll, they'll know not to, to snap and uh, and swear at me or whatever, but they, they know how to handle the situation and, and, and talk sensibly. I think the thing that always jumps out with, with that and also one of the things you mentioned there in terms of the camera being on the fans constantly too is that those things are so rare when it comes to the clubs and especially cameras being on fans, uh, you see some of it, but it's not, it's not consistent across the board. And I think it jumps out as almost like a no brainer for me. And you want to see those reactions, especially when the big moments happen as well, but even not, it's just the reactions when like, as you say, a crunch tackles going in and they're, they're raging at the ref. Like those, those are the things I want to see rather than, a player rolling around do you, do you know what i mean like you almost get i don't know if you're watching a game on on that was broadcast on on tv for example like you'd almost get like an apology sometimes when uh when you go to a fan or or it's like when i don't know i'm not saying you want streakers to run onto the pitch but you know when the cameras pan away from that it's like these are the things you actually want to see um so so show them yeah, exactly. Um, and we try and hopefully not we're not too in their faces and they don't mind us having a camera on them. But it's it's really just to show the pure emotions that come with football. We've all been there. We've all experienced it for ourselves. And and it's we want to show that in our footage to show that to just really capture it. Uh, you can obviously you can show the football side of things, but it's what it all means to people. At the end of the day, everyone is emotionally attached to what they're watching on the pitch. So why not show that at the same time? Yeah, definitely. I feel slightly kind of crude going next to my next question, but like when it comes to video content, how do you judge success? What does success look like? Even from is are you looking at the metrics behind the videos? Are you looking at how it's resonated with with certain parts of the fan base? And is it something that you do look at and then it feeds into kind of what you make in terms of changes for any future videos that you do as well? To be honest, we don't overly analyse like numbers or anything like that. Um, I mean, to be honest, with Grant, who's head of media at Motherwell, he will look at the numbers for guidance and I maybe fed that information back to me. But personally, I'm more measured on how I tell stories. Do I tell a good story? And... Do I challenge or shape perceptions? Do I, do I set the narrative? And you can't really quantify that in numbers. It's, it's more about what people are saying and the feelings that people are getting off the back of, of watching your work. It's 
it's more something that is measured over a, a longer period of time. And I mean, success is more just hearing people say things like they like her content and they maybe Motherwell stands out to them as a, a club that do good content, um, especially if it's not the fans that are saying that because even more so you realise you've, you've, you've affected others, you've, you've reached out to people who would normally see the content that's not it's not necessarily aimed at these people, yet they've still managed to, to find it somehow and they've still managed to enjoy it to the extent that we stand out in their minds. And, and that to me is more successful than just looking at numbers and saying, right, we've had X amount of likes on that post and oh, that, that got retweeted quite a lot. Um, I mean, as I, as, I, as I was saying before, look, it's nice to see that. And it's it's nice to, obviously, high numbers show you're doing something well, but it's not something that we live by. We don't live and breathe by the numbers on a, a social post. And I think something you met, you said there in terms of it, it getting a, a bit of a wider audience as well, rather than just Motherwell fans, is, is the work that the club does across the Lanarkshire community and that gets highlighted a lot through the video content that you produce as well. Where do those videos rank for you from, from even a personal point of view to being able to tell those stories and to hit home those messages across that, that local community much more? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so essential to the club in general, um, looking at these aspects of, of what Motherwell is about as a town and not just a football club. It's, it's something that's just ingrained in the club as a whole and we have to showcase that in our content it's, it's maybe it's maybe more serious um and maybe not as as enjoyable in terms of oh we get to have a laugh while we're filming and stuff um so it's, it's very much a different category when it comes to that but it's 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 so important it's right up there with showcasing players and, and showing what happens on a match day because it is such a big part i know it's such a cliche to say so many clubs will say yeah we're a community club but i i really feel like people and not just Motherwell fans do take Motherwell seriously when we do say we're a community club um, and that comes down to like we do we do so much like in terms of mental health which obviously the fans are so ingrained with and buy into um, we do so much in terms of anti-suicide messages as well which is a subject so close to the club's heart because it's such a prevalent I was going to say disease but it's just it's such a problem that yeah. spans across Motherwell as a town and an area in terms of Scotland in general I mean it's, it's something mental like like two people a day in Scotland will take their own lives and and that's that's an incredible stat and when you hear of it happening so much not just in Motherwell but the the age group as well the demographic is young males which makes up such a large part of our support base it's of course it's something the club are going to take seriously and really try and help as much as we can so so yeah we've, we've done like we do a we do a lot of suicide work throughout the the year but we um we always make sure we do an annual message at christmas time which is really just because we understand just how difficult it is at christmas more so i mean we're not we're not trivializing trivializing any other time of the year but it's such an emotional time for people um where they f- may feel more lonely so we do tend to go big on it at that time of year um the one we did at christmas just there was probably our biggest one and our our most hard-hitting one as well where we actually decided to speak to people who have attempted suicide before whereas in the past we've we've kind of sent out the message of you'll be missed um and this is the impact you have on your family and friends if you do decide to to do it um 
please like almost like please change your mind sort of thing and, and there is help out there for you but this time we decided to go more hard hitting and actually say look there there is a way out you, you might not feel like there's an escape right now but these people are proof that there is light at the end of the tunnel and what I learned from doing that was and speaking to these people um, these very very brave fans that wanted to get their message out there and, and were happy to sit on a camera as well which is a huge thing for somebody who's never done it before um huge respect for the, the three boys that did it um i could see how emotional it was for them and how hard it was so it's, it was massive that they wanted to, to have that impact on everyone else and get their message out there and and what i learned from it was there's different coping mechanisms for different people it's not one set solution um it's not a case of yeah, phone this helpline and, and they'll solve all your problems. It's not like that. It's not black and white like that. Because I went into it thinking there was going to be, you know, that light bulb moment when you're you're suffering from this and you're suffering mental health issues and thinking that, yeah, one day I just saw the light and I changed my, my mentality and I kind of turned my life around. It's not like that. It's a very difficult, long process where even now, years on, they still get these thoughts and it's still in their mind but it's what they use as coping mechanisms, which can be like going to the gym or um, like speaking to friends or even just like going to the football, which is such a huge one. And that to me shows like the fact that you can rely on football so much for your mental health is even something else that the club have taken so seriously. When you even look at during the COVID times, um, we we took not having supporters in the ground so seriously because we understood just how much of an impact it had on mental health i mean we were like we as as staff players and staff that were getting to go to the games we hated it as well there would be nobody you'll find during the covid season last year that enjoyed it nobody at all um and we hated it we hate every single moment of it the games were just not the way games are meant to be played so I can't even begin to imagine what fans were going through not being able to go week in, week out. We were very, very lucky in the position we were in. But um, even that, that game in, in Boxing Day, when they were talking about you know, like changing the winter break and everything, and we had 500 fans for the game in Boxing Day, we made it very obvious as a club, we, this is not how football should be. We don't want to have to close our doors. Great, we've got 500 and it's not zero. But um, and we appreciate every single person that was on the ground that day. But that's not the way it was meant to be. And we, that's why we wanted to change the winter break in the hope that things would go back to normal again in January, which luckily they did. Um, but we we want to fight that corner with the fans. And the longer it went on without fans, the longer, the, the more kind of frustrated and stressed and annoyed we got with, come on, the fans need this. We yeah. know the fans need this. And, and we need to do what we can to kind of get them back because we understand that side of it. It is just so it's it's so strong in terms of like that that power of football that gets talked about so much as well the fact that yeah i i almost see it as more powerful coming from a football club as opposed to to any other entity that tries to to get these messages across to to individuals across the country like i think it's it is actually incredible um in terms of and it's more incredible that the club put such a big huge focus behind that as well I just think it's so impressive and something that all clubs should be doing like 100% yeah, I think the, the players also buy into it as well which is so important we had like a, a, it was probably this time last year and 
it was um, Declan Gallagher was our, the captain at the time, and he came to us and said, "Look, I've had a, a message about a boy as a, as a Motherwell fan. Um, I want to send a message to him because uh, I know he's 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 going through a bad time with his mental health. Um, he's considering suicide. I want to record a message to." to speak to him and say, look, I'm here if you want to come and speak to me personally or the club in general. Um, and he wanted us to film it for him. So we actually got a couple of boys involved and it was all done privately. We didn't post it publicly. We sent it straight to the boy himself. He ended up posting it himself, which is completely fine. It's, it's all on him. It's, it's his video at that stage. Um, and it's little things like that where the fans start to see, yeah, the fans do care and the fans do understand. And, and that actually went full circle, which is quite nice because that was one of the boys that got involved in our video at Christmas time. And he managed to meet the player, one of the players that did the message for him. And that's really nice touch that obviously we got to that stage and not saying that it was the be all and end all in terms of change in his, his mindset, but even if it just had one slight little part of his brain, like listened to that and realised yeah, people are here for me and people care. Like that, just affecting one person like that is invaluable. Yeah, no, 100%, definitely. Um, I feel such a, like, again, so crude, like moving on from such a important point to talk about when and ask you the next question. But I think we've talked about it so much in terms of the, the work that goes in behind the scenes and the work that goes into um, kind of actually recording and then getting through to, to producing these videos. But top tips for anybody that is looking to attempt to to replicate the the things that you do on the on the video side of things on again if we're looking at lower league for example on that much smaller budget um, and things and if you could mention like the the software that you maybe use for editing if there's any suggestions there then, then that'd be amazing yeah i mean i think the be all and end all is to to tell your story um that's that's the main thing that you need to stick to is don't just jump around on trains and stray away from what the club and what your story is actually about is keep everything relevant um don't we, we we never set out just to make a pretty video we 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 know we we see what we're going to do we, we know our story we're going to tell and the treatment comes after that it's um it's a bonus if if it's if it's be- beautifully shot, um. But it's 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 not about that. We 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 are quite lucky in terms of we've had a wee bit of investment um from higher up in the club, to the media department in terms of like cameras. So we've we've got a couple of of good Sony A seven S's, where which we use um and a couple of good lenses that go with that. So we've got a range of lens um lenses that we've got. Uh, for example, I use a two hundred to six hundred on a match day for filming the, the kind of more arty shots, whereas the match action is filmed on a 100 to 300, I think it is. Um, we also have like one that's maybe a 75 to 200 um, lens, which can also film match action absolutely fine as well. I've got a couple of short lenses as well, um, which is more for the day-to-day stuff, like interviews and things like that. And that's our kind of main equipment for cameras. Um, but that doesn't mean that because you've not got a fancy camera or an expensive camera doesn't mean that you can't make the content. We, we all have phones that have cameras on them, um, which nowadays are really good quality. Um, people are making movies with iPhone cameras. So the important thing is to, to know what you're doing rather than to stress out about your equipment. But if you are wanting to focus on equipment, then I would say things like get a tripod, um, makes a difference so put the phone on a tripod rather than handheld or get a microphone that attaches to the camera um 
that's maybe a big thing that I think a lot of people fall back on is the sound quality is sometimes you, you hear straight away there's there's echo in the room or there's a lot of hiss because of not plugged in a microphone um having something you don't have to have again doesn't have to be a lot of money you can get different variations whether it's a clip mic um that you put on like their lapel or it's a top mic that you put on like you attach the top of a camera or there's different variations um depending on budgets and everything um that's the kind of main thing. Things like the lighting and stuff that we use maybe for shoots. Again, you can get good cheap versions. Um, not everything has to be top of the range quality. You can get a ring light. <laughs> I mean, influencers buy ring lights off Amazon for, I don't know, I, I, I don't have one personally, but I could get, hazard a guess at about maybe 30 quid. Um, you'll get variations. Like, just get something that ticks the box and don't stress about the quality, um, the, the money going into it. And after that, it really is just understanding the work you're doing. It's it's understanding what the story is you're trying to tell and sticking to that story, and and not deviating from that and just doing, just jumping on something for the sake of it. Just for oh, that's that's the current thing that everyone's talking about. Let's make a comment about it. Like, no, stick to your story of your club or your player or the narrative that you're trying to to set that week. Yeah, no, I think super advice there, and it's, and I mean, I don't. I said to you already before we started recording i'm no expert when it comes to video stuff so hopefully what you just went through uh, was useful for anybody listening that that does uh, need that information yeah even on top of that like what we're seeing editing software we use final cut um which is the kind of more apple based editing software a lot more commonly used is premiere pro mm-hmm. both of them require subscriptions also if you are on a budget then it's maybe not possible but there's also things like there's iMovie and stuff which maybe doesn't have as many features but again it allows you to do the basics and and that sometimes is all you need to get started and and to to get these things out there um and also just um the the like research different ways you can do your edits as well if you don't understand something there's there's literally a youtube tutorial for everything <laughs> whether it is how to improve your sound quality if maybe something's went wrong or how to add maybe a, a lot to something that makes your footage look nicer or a bit wee arty kind of tone to it or even just keyframing which is a big thing if you're going to do your, your videos in square which is what a lot of the platforms maybe uh, lend themselves to more then you've not filmed necessarily in square so it requires keyframing which means that you just keep the subject in the center of the frame and it sounds so logical but it's it's a skill that you learn um on your editing software and again that is something that you can just self-teach yourself by watching youtube tutorials i feel like i want to like level up now in terms of my <laughs> audio equipment for the podcast just especially just looking at us both mine's a tiny little usb one and you've got that you've got the professional stuff in front of you laura but i wouldn't expect anything there uh, anything less from you um what's next at the club then in terms of what what are you looking to do more of is it just more of the same or is there anything uh, new that you could you're maybe wanting to, to 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 reach out and branch out into to be honest just now it's just it's continue what we're doing um we we've kind of settled on something we're happy with and we'll, we'll just continue doing that ticking those boxes um and is, if is any- it diff- is it, so is it difficult for you to to stay on that path or are you because uh, people get attracted by the, the new and the shiny thing quite a lot and no, because no. you've set out on that already. Yeah, I think just because we we know our path so well, it's very easy to kind of just stick to it and 
we, we, what we're doing is working as far as I'm aware um, and as far as more people are happy with it so why fix something that isn't broken um, in that sense I mean, we'll always have new ideas and um, we'll always gain inspiration we, we always look around we we watch a lot of um, videos especially from like MLS or just uh, just American sports in general actually there's even like some American football and and baseball teams that do some really good like hype videos and stuff um, that we can take inspiration from it. It doesn't mean like the whole video is going to be something we replicate. It can just be something like, oh, I really like that transition. Let's go and learn how to do that transition and we can add it into the work we're doing. Or or I really like how they've spoke to a player at this point, like before a game or something, or the position of an interview, the, the camera work. It can just be one small element we take from it. Or even from a design factor as well, where it comes to maybe thinking about kit launches or how we're going to announce players signing in the next transfer window. It's all something that we can kind of compile together. Um, we're always looking at different ideas and, and sometimes things just come out the blue and we go, OK, this is maybe a wee bit more adventurous or, or um, detailed. Like, for example, I think it was this time last year. Um, I just came up with the idea one night. I don't even know where it came from, but it was let's talk about like Black Lives Matter and it wasn't really it didn't really fit into the style of our features so far it fit into obviously the, the pillars that we do because it was obviously the, the team um, and people as well to an extent but um, what I kind of wanted to do was just speak to some of the, 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 the black players in the team and say what have you experienced um, how's your experience been in football even outside of football as well um, so I spoke to one of the boys first and floated the idea and he was really keen um, spoke to a couple others, some of them weren't so keen didn't feel comfortable talking about it, I was like, absolutely fine went to some others, and eventually we got four boys sat them down and we'd never done something like that before um, it was something so different where we were like how do we treat this, do we just ask questions, how do we do an interview when there's four boys sitting with us and how do we all give them a voice so it's just something that we, th- we thought right okay well this this fits into our pillars this, right it ticks that box um, it's relevant to what we're doing, great but let's think about the treatment of it. And we, we decided to let them just have a conversation amongst themselves. And in doing so, it's not just as simple as, okay, go and sit down and, and chat. They're still conscious of cameras being on them, obviously. So a bit of planning goes into that in terms of, right, we'll, we'll write down pointers for them. So we had little kind of cue cards where you'd say, right, if you don't know what to, how to make the conversation flow, You've got you've got cue cards. You can glance at them if you want. In the end, nobody looked at them. <laughs> Not one single player looked at them or used them. Um, they got started. We, we kind of got the ball rolling just by saying, right, can you just introduce yourselves? Um, where are you from? What was your kind of upbringing like? Um, and obviously they knew, knew each other <laughs> beforehand, but it just it got the ball rolling in that sense of they all got chatting and we had a camera on each of the players and it just went, it went on. Honestly, this we filmed about half an hour worth if even that minimum half an hour of them just chatting, telling stories, um, like incredible stories, like heartwarming stories, really sad stories, really surprising stuff. And, and we were behind the camera looking at each other like, oh my God, like, I cannot believe they're saying this. This is incredible stuff. Like, as in, it's eye-opening. It's it's great in terms of telling people, like, their story, but also it's heartbreaking at the same time. Like, the, the, they've went through these things and it's so important that we, sh- we tell people this so that they can see what's happening in the world. Um, so that was just an example of just something completely different that still managed to fit the box, take the boxes and fit into what we're doing, but it was just a completely different style from what we were used to day to day, week to week. It's great to 
look around the club and find those opportunities. Like you say, something a little bit different, something a little bit unique, but that still fits with, with the overall style as well. Not perfect, perfect example. And I guess just moving away from, from the club now, I think if you, uh, if you do follow Laura on Twitter already, you'll, you'll notice that she's, she's not afraid to, to talk about the rest of Scottish football. Um, sometimes, but I guess we could probably record an entire additional podcast on this, but I did want to just limit it to a couple of questions, but the overall spectacle and optics of the league, obviously you're, you look at it from a club perspective, but you are very passionate about it from a, from an overall league and, and a country uh, overall as, as our football, if you like. Um, how, could, how could we get better at doing much more than that? And Again, don't don't talk for an hour about it because we could I could I could split it here. We could do part two of a podcast. That's such a big question. It's a big question. I know. I mean, like I'll I'll keep it to purely marketing perspective and the media side of things. But I mean, am I allowed to swear? Can we? You can swear. You can swear all you want. I mean, just can we actually give a shit about our league? <laughs> Would be quite a nice start. Like actually invest in it and realize the importance of of marketing the league. It just feels like an afterthought just now to the SPFL. It feels like there's there's no strategy or investment there. I mean, there are there isn't an invest there isn't a marketing team at the SPFL. It's there's not enough people working for the league for a start. Um, so when you don't have bodies there, how do you get the work done? Uh, you can't just throw the odd job at somebody else who who's there to do something completely different yeah. and expect like one person to market an entire league um we, we need to tell the stories of the clubs of the games of of what's actually happening we, we need to try and engage new audiences it's not even just about engaging our own audience which i mean the audience is there They're, we're not going to go anywhere because we're all so passionate about our football in this country but we've no scope to branch out and attract anyone else from any other walk of life um, and draw them in. I mean, if you look at, you, if you asked 100 people what what is Scottish football, you would probably get about 100 different answers. And that shouldn't be the case. You, if you went down to England and you asked them, what's the English Premier League? Um, what's their, what, what is it? What's it all about? They'd all say the same thing because they market themselves as the best league in the world. And whether or not you agree with that or not, you're fed that so much that people start to believe it. You, you look to Germany, there's so much emphasis on the fans and the passion and, and it is football how it should be, I think, is, is something along the lines of their, their tagline. But in Scotland, we don't really have a USP when it comes to marketing. And for a country that's so fiercely proud of our sport, of our football, with so many stories to tell, but like... Football in Scotland is defined by its characters and its stories, not just the football on the pitch. I mean, look, the football's great. <laughs> it's a lot better than people make out. But there's so much more to it than just the 90 minutes, uh, which is, I don't even think you get that, say, in England. England's quite hollow where it is about the skill on the pitch and it's not about the characters of it and the personalities. We have cult personalities here. It's so Scottish <laughs> when you yeah. think about it. But we just don't do enough to celebrate that or promote it. I know I've been I've been telling a lot of people recently about just a, like a snapshot of some of the stories from Scottish football, and it gets people interested. 
in the game and invested into the game as well and and these are just things like again the tiny almost like five percent of things that you see on twitter about scottish football there's probably so much else that happens out, out with of the the social media sphere of scottish football as well that we don't even see as people who maybe support other clubs who aren't maybe active on social media who are active on social media as well there's there's probably so much that we're missing out on and and yeah completely agree with you and i think the thing that hits home for me in this in this perspective is how, how much the fans appreciate scottish football and they get it but then it doesn't really feed into anything from an overall strategy perspective and how you almost harness that to to make it even better so that more fans appreciate it I think the the big thing for that is is just how much Cinch has caught on as the sponsor. Almost like it's it's almost gone. And I hate using the term, but it's almost gone viral in terms of uh, a sponsorship and how much it's been picked up on, and so much so that yes, the league is using that now, and it's great, and it's it's trying to harness it a little bit more. But yeah, it's it's that kind of like fan movement that yeah. helps Scottish football much more. Yeah, and that, that's the thing, it is, it's, it's, it comes down to the fans almost now, uh, like, the likes of yourself, and be like Pai and Bovril um, on Twitter, like, these, it's, it's individual fans who I find are bigging up our game more than the league itself, and like, I've even said that, like, Pai and Bovril would tweet, like, at the weekend, they talk up each game that's coming yeah. up, and talk about each fixture, and I'd be like, I know more about what's happening this weekend by seeing your tweets than I have by any coverage that's gone so far. I mean, we had three derbies over the course of, what, two nights a couple of weeks back. What did the SPFL do to promote that? That, that There's not enough excitement generated about it. That, that, like, like, we could be doing so much more to, to be drawn... Yeah, to be drawn it as an event and making it an occasion. But instead, we're, we're being asked, like, the club's put out a generic cinch advert all at the same time with a generic picture of a woman in a car holding keys and yeah. it's like oh well this was in the contract so we have to do it and it's like well let's think outside the box yes we can put out messages that are in in our sponsorship contract that's absolutely fine but let's do it in a more a more adventurous way <laughs> let's capture the audience more tie it in with the actual football and the games to to actually make people realize it and not just see the same tweet on repeat 42 times on their, on their timeline yeah. like, and, and it's, it's things like there's so much more that can be done to market the league in terms of like, why can't we tweet out action as it's happening? Why, why can't we, why can't we clip up a goal when it's scored on a Saturday afternoon and put out the goal to celebrate the goal being scored? Why do we have to wait until the following night, <laughs> the following, like such and such hours later when everyone's forgotten about the result and we go, oh, by the way, here were the goals <laughs> that we scored like five days ago. <laughs> not, not an exaggeration, but like it's things like that. Why can't we post live? Why can't we, why, why are we not, I mean, look, it might sound trivial, but there's there's some teams that leave up things like warm-up nets um, during a game or they, they put the, the warm-up, the, the actual goal post, like the goal nets, they, they move the goal nets to the side of the pitch, and it's in all the shots that we're filming. There's a there's another goal <laughs> sitting at the corner flag. Um, there's your warm-up net still up. Like the league should be saying that needs to come down. The league should be aware of what looks good on camera. You wouldn't see that at an English Premier League game because it looks small time. Like tidy these things away. Why are the fans tucked away at the top of the stadium uh, in the upper tier? 
why are they not given the choice to sit down behind the goals to make it look like the stadiums are actually full? (laughs) We complain that we're not getting big crowds and you're hiding away the fans so people watch the highlights and go, oh yeah, there's no fans at that game. We're like, well, they are. They're just all behind the camera. (laughs) Like These things are all marketing things that the SPFL should be taking into consideration and looking at each ground and going, no, you can't do that. You should be doing this instead. And it's all just to, it's all perception and it's all inception as well. It's, it's making people believe something is good just by telling them it's good. Yeah. And it happens over time as well. Like you, you start it off, you, you put these things in place and just continually, continually hit home um, <laughs> these things and it, and it starts to happen. Definitely. Um, last three then for me, Laura, before I, before I let you go, um, Finley Marks, when I asked him this question, suggested that you should come on the podcast. So who should I be speaking to next on the podcast, in your opinion? Um, maybe a difficult one, but have you had Neil Doncaster on? Somebody else suggested this too, um, and I actually have never asked. So maybe oh, I should just, uh, just see what happens. You need to ask him exactly all the points I've just been making. Ask him what, what is Scottish football and what have you done about it to promote it? And what do you intend to do? Like actually ask them what are we doing to market our game i'd love to just i'd love to hear either how he he skirts around it or if he genuinely does believe we're marketing our game because we're not seeing the effects of it yeah so yeah get me on that'd be great i'll give it a a bash we'll see what happens (laughs) um we've touched on it loads you mentioned mls is probably one of the examples but where do you look for for additional inspiration to to come into your your role the one place i actually look more um because well i enjoy doing a lot of the documentary side of things um i feel like that's maybe also where my strengths lie um so i actually really enjoy watching just different documentaries um not even sport documentaries just documentaries in general i tend to when i sit down and have my dinner i'll put on amazon um and just look to see right what's what documentary can i put on and i just take some some inspiration from that with it as i was saying earlier it doesn't have to be copying something exactly but it can be something that's just a really nice touch to it um i really like the delix ferguson one was one i really enjoyed um on amazon where i really liked how they intertwined his story now like his recent story with the illness and his battle with health with then looking back on his days in govan and and in glasgow and stuff and, and the old footage they got as well from like the shipyards was great yeah. <laughs> um and himself personally and you're like how have you found this footage this is amazing so little things like that even just how to to narrate a story or how to to tell it like like a big part of what i do is when i'm preparing features is i write what well, it's called writing beats and it's kind of like writing a script and i don't mean writing a script as in you hand it to a player and they learn lines to to tell you something it's more to as me as a producer and a, kind of a director as well to to know exactly what I want to be said where and when or how I want the piece to look how the intro is going to look so I know I've got the the right shots for it and um, so I know that when I'm going into the shoot we know exactly what we need to get and where it's going to fit in obviously other things can happen that can change it which is great but it means you've at least got a basis there and a, 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 a like absolute basis of what you want bare minimum um, and and watching these documentaries really help that because it helps you shape and understand, right, that's your intro. That's how you move on the story. That's how you close a story. And it really helps when it comes to actually doing the, the features yourself to, to match that. Have you watched Tinder Swindler yet? It's on Netflix. 
I have seen it actually, yeah. It's it's crazy how someone can actually just trust someone so much to give them bank loans, multiple bank loans. Yeah. <laughs> Which, but even in a serious note though, like see the way they do, um, they use the use of like social media graphics yeah. um, to, to show what's being said, um, whether it's screenshots of text messages or whatever, even just the way it's typing into like a Google search or something. Yeah. I, I love all that because... And essentially, a story like that doesn't have a lot of, of B-roll, what they call or wallpaper, however you want to, to use the term. Um, you don't actually have a lot of that because you weren't in the moment with them. Um, it's very much a on-hindsight documentary. So unless you're filming live, you don't have a lot of footage to actually show. And it can very easily become a very boring documentary, um, which I find a lot with Netflix documentaries, actually, is they'll just use, like, here's a... A screenshot of like a newspaper and we'll we'll fade it across the screen gradually to, to span out over 12 seconds um here's an old photo of the family oh that's that's coming into the screen or, or zooming out um and it's like right okay it gets a wee bit tiresome but if you're actually living it um as you live your everyday life whether it is searching on google swiping on tinder scrolling through instagram it's, it's something that everyone has experience of yeah. and it puts them in the moment and enjoys it more which is again something that is it's something like that is great inspiration and advice for someone that was the thing that jumped out at me too in terms of the it was mostly when all the whatsapp conversations were coming up and that because they were actually using the sounds as mm-hmm. well and i mean i can't remember the last time i had my phone on loud to be honest so i don't you just know the whatsapp sound from other things that you've seen rather than it being on but it's that that almost and it's probably a clever move from netflix to like make you pay attention to the tv more rather than your phone while you're scrolling through watching tinder swindler oh. but um yeah it was it was just that that jumped out at me too yeah sound is so invaluable i always remember the, when we did the the closing sequence of the David Turnbull documentary when it was the actual match you came back in. I remember it was Grant saying to us, when you get the, the preparation shots of a match day, really go in on the sound. Like, make every shot so audible in terms of, like... So we got shots of, like, the groundsman put the fork into the grass and then we had the mic up actually, like, recording it separately so we could line it up. And it was something like that. It was just, like, the brush, the broom going along the stand, clearing all the, mm. the rubbish and stuff and preparing it. it was, it's it's such a a strong sense that you need to tap into and it's really really important and i think that's something that you forget a lot of the time just how vital the sound element is to it because you're just so busy watching it and taking it in that sometimes you forget just how important it is no definitely um finishes up then with a, a little bit of advice as well so anybody looking who's maybe at uni at the moment or or volunteering somewhere advice for getting into the, the sports industry for you? Yeah, I think, well, there's a few main ones. Um, I think it's important to get work experience. Um, like, no no one likes doing unpaid work. And, and to be honest, we don't like, well, we don't like asking for unpaid work ourselves, but it, sometimes it's just invaluable for someone who is of that age to get out there. And in turn, it helps make contacts. Contacts is huge, especially in Scottish football. Um, it's a very small world and making contacts can go a long way don't make enemies either which is it stems off of making contacts um because as i say it's a very small world i think the main one is um just go out and go out and just start doing stuff (laughs) like like go out there and showcase what you can do whether it's filming things or whether it's like filming yourself like doing vlogs or filming match action or or getting photos um like ask for access 
to, to places um places like like Motherwell will, will let you in to whether you want to come to a game to to write a match report or just get some experience filming behind the goals um with the other like videographers or, or photographers ask clubs for access um and be honest like I'm a student I'm trying to get more experience you might not get it at all clubs you definitely want it at the, the bigger clubs like Celtic and Rangers but you will at, at some clubs will let you in um and things like that is could sound small but it's even just being able to go to stadiums and and learning your way around and, and learning how to get to the press box or the the, the press room knowing how they do post-match interviews and understanding what embargoes are like and, and who does what and what the papers can use, what the broadcast can use, um, and also just making contacts that way as well. Becoming a familiar face at games or what you want to do, um, such like the equivalent of. Um, get out there and and just practice, practice, try and be different, make up a YouTube account or, or, or an Instagram account or something, just something that means that when you go for a job, your name will either be known already or if your name isn't known then they can look at your work and go oh, hold on a minute here they've done something they've done something really different they've went out they've tried to learn for themselves they've they've been a bit more spontaneous they've taken their own phone and tried to film something and it just shows that kind of commitment and desire to learn um and progress with the times as well and, and that's really invaluable when it comes to just trying to break in and, and get a foot in the industry because the, there's so many people trying it so be different yeah. And, and show your commitment no perfect i think it's, it's it's great advice and i think it's it's difficult obviously but you you need to if you want to then you need to go for it don't you yeah i mean that's i, I started off i did um i did free match reports for a local paper in paisley i think it was called the extra was it rain paper and um i just did submitting games and i just went to submitting games and wrote a, a 200 word match report for them and that was kind of my first kind of experience in Scottish football. And I, that I'd i obviously been to games as a fan, but that was my first experience going in the media and just getting to go to different press boxes. Like one of the first games I actually did was at Ibrox and just getting to go to Ibrox to experience the press box was so different to <laughs> like if you ever went there as a fan, home or away, um, whatever end you're in, it's just such a different world, going in different doors and, and knowing exactly where to go. And, and sometimes it's just something as simple as having that confidence and air about you to to know where you're walking. <laughs> and and then people will notice from there, like they'll see you as, okay, you're an unknown face, but you're not a lost unknown face. Yeah, <laughs> you know what definitely. you're doing. <laughs> no, perfect. Um, Laura, thank you so much for, for your time today and coming on. Great chat absolutely loved it and, and hopefully people listening did too but yeah thank you so much thank you so much for having me you can follow laura at underscore laura brannan on twitter and motherwell are at motherwell fc if you don't already follow them if you enjoyed that then don't forget to leave the podcast a rating wherever you're listening and go back and listen to some of the previous episodes too if you haven't checked them out already thanks for listening and see you next time